It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever is at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Uh, today is Monday, October 28th, and you're listening to episode 387. 387? Whoa! Whoa. I That's feel like you, you really came from your diaphragm on that introduction. Yeah. I'm really appreciating that. I try, I try. I'm here with uh, Jason Katarski today. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah, yeah. So after this, we could do something really that I'm excited about. Yeah, I can't wait till this posts... And this will actually, this part of my life will be behind me for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to be uh, packing and shipping copies of Into the Black Forest. Yes, we are. A little game designed by a guy named Jason Slingerland. True story. I said, hey, Jason, you want to come down and record an episode? He's like, hey, how about you come to my house? And I was like, oh, I can do that. He's like, and then you can pack a bunch of copies of Into the Black Forest. Yes. You know, so just FYI, if you get a game published with Jason Katarski, you're going to have to do a bunch of work. I mean, only really if you live in Michigan. <laughs> like, uh, nobody else has ever really helped me right, except friends enough. and fair family. Yeah. So. so anyways, I th- yeah. I thought um, because Halloween is right around the corner, we would get spooky. Spooky. First question, favorite monster cereal. Oh, probably Count Chocula. I know that's kind of basic, but like... That's cool. It's chocolate with chocolate marshmallows. What's not to like? Yeah, I I, I, I like that one quite a bit. There's a richness to it. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, just because I like to be a little off-center, you know, a little bit, like, uh, off the beaten path, I might have to say Fruit Brute, because uh, he only comes out every once in a while. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not going to be one of the other ones everybody knows, like Blueberry <laughs> or something. It's going to yeah. be Fruit Brute. It's the random. It's yeah. the random one. Is that the werewolf one? Yep, yeah, I was that yeah. guy. My family did that for Halloween a couple years ago. We were all characters, and I got to be Fruit Brute with my suspenders and my mullet hair. I was so excited about it. It was so it. good. I was stoked. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things of uh, the years when uh, I can finally have monster cereal in my cupboard. Right, right. Um, so, otherwise, uh, you know, like Halloween, spooky. Uh, things go bump in the night. Uh, we're talking about things, uh, related to death and darkness. So I thought we would go into our, (laughs) go into our closet here and bring out, uh, some conversations surrounding dead games to bring back to life. Yes. Yes. Zombie games. No, not about (laughs) games about zombies. Zombie games. So first I want to get personal here. I want to talk about like, what are some games that you were working on? That you felt like you just needed to kill and bury them. And, like, why did you do that? Was it, like, personal things? The games were crap? Was it, like, I just can't think about it anymore? It, it hurt too much? Right, right. Um, so I can think of three off the top of my head that I can quickly explain the game and why. The first one is The White Whale, which is an Outcome the Wolves. That is a game that I've tried to make a dozen times. Um, and every time I've stopped because it wasn't perfect right and normally that does not stop you with a game design like this is this isn't perfect i shouldn't design this game um it really always comes around with like um you know like oh it's fine like i'll work it out but for this like i really want it to be what i want it to be right i know that like it will be a game about settlers in alaska and a super pack of wolves like and then basically leaving their house to get resources to try and build up their homestead. But every time they do that, 
they bring in more wolves, like that they have to deal with at night. And the exact mechanics of that have always escaped me. Um, and, uh, so I've always put it back down. Uh, I actually am going to pick it up again soon. It's, I've now got it on my, on my list of active game projects. You must've um, buried that one in a pet cemetery. Uh, if it's going to come back to life and it see it's wolves and yeah, yeah. see what I did there. Yeah. You're funny. Thank you're you. You're funny. You're welcome. <laughs> no. So that one actually, the inspiration to work back on that again, it was, um, uh, we played little town. Or oh, My cool. Little Town, or whatever it's called. It's an AEG game, right? Yeah, an AEG game. Um, I played that, finally, I've wanted to play that since Gen Con when I saw, or no, since Origins. I saw it at Origins, and there was no one to demo it for me. And then at Gen Con, I wasn't able to get a demo either. And then Kopak brought it to Grand Con. Nice. So a bunch of us played it. And, well, I was actually a little complaining about it because... Um, the end game kind of snuck up and like, well, no, that wasn't it. The problem was, uh, well, the end game did kind of snuck up, sneak up, but this is kind of my fault, not not realizing. Okay. Um, but what really drove me nuts about it was uh, we were playing, and I think it was Kelly uh, Hoagland. He like destroyed the rest of us in the game, which was cool. The problem was he made decisions early on that basically determined that he was going to win the game. Um, now that was because it was a first play. And the rest of us, myself especially included, because I think I got last, just didn't employ the right strategy. And he picked up on it faster than we did. Um, but it was one of those things where at the end I was like, this game is really good. Now I just need to, now I know how to play it, right? And I actually wanted to buy it. Um, there was one copy, Kelly won, so I let Kelly buy it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we both found it. I was like, no, you buy it. I'll buy it somewhere else sometime. Um, so anyways... Uh, I actually, the way that that game works with all the tiles and the squares and stuff, that really spoke to me as something that I could make work for Outcome the Wolves. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna pick that one back up at some point. Um, second game that I dropped um, uh, was Minecart Madness, which was a game that was working very well. Um, I had somebody say, here's some problems with the game, uh, and it was somebody I really respected. And so I fixed a few things. And then I liked it better, but I was like, this still doesn't address the core issues this person brought up, right? Mm. So I made some sweeping changes to the mechanics of how you race in the game, like how you move your, your minecart along in the game. Um, and what happened with that was, uh, yeah, it made the game suck. Like it made the uh. game very thinky and not fun. And I just kind of frustrated and put it down. And I've been cleaning out my basement recently and I found the prototype. <laughs> Um, and I went back and looked and I was like, you know what? I need to just go back to the point where it was working, but maybe a little unbalanced and say, does this still work? Right. Yeah. That's uh, where the fun was like yeah. back at that point. Yes. Cause it's the game that was the closest approximation to Mario Kart I've ever played. And nice. so that makes me feel good. And I, I know I talked about that one before, uh, when you were on. And then the last one for me, um, was a game called par for the course. One of the first games I ever pitched. Um, and it was a game about mini golf. Um, and you were, you were basically laying out tiles to build the mini golf course, uh, build one like hole of the mini golf thing. Right. And then based on the cards, you, the tiles you play, you get to draw cards. Then are cards with numbers. Right. And then those allow you to putt. Okay. Trying to like, and basically the way I saw it was every tile had a, um, every tile had a, uh, a value on it, like a difficulty rating almost like 
one through ten, say, right? Okay. Um, and when I and actually not even one through ten, like a downhill slope might be like a minus three because your ball can't ever stop on that, right? So like when I putt, it goes like I putt. I add up the numbers of the cards I'm playing, right? And that's my putt. That's how far the ball is going to go. And then you do those against the difficulty ratings on the side, right? Okay, like so I subtract five. Now it's went to here. Um, does it make it through this one? No. And and maybe the difficulty on the um, on each one would be to make it simple would just be a number of spaces. Right. So if it's a difficulty 10, it would have 10 spaces on it. Right. And the spaces would actually just be like varied in size. Okay. Um, so your ball could move at a different angle or something. So it allows you to kind of like play the angles on how to putt. Right. Um, but then like on that downward slope, it would literally just be like no space. It would just be arrows like that. When you hit this, you just move forward. Right. So there's no spaces. As I talk about that, that actually makes way more sense than it did before. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. So anyways, yeah, thanks. And so you would play like nine holes probably because 18 would be too many. Um, building it and whoever at the end, whoever has the best golf score wins. Right. Yeah. Um, and I stopped playing on that game because I felt like there wasn't there. A, there wasn't enough to it. And B, I just didn't see a market for it at the time, right? Okay. Now I think there are other companies that publish either family-friendly stuff or more kid-sized stuff. Yeah. Um, that could publish a bigger box game like that. Um, you know, uh, before when I was looking at the kid-friendly stuff, it just wasn't, you know, it was like, I could take it to Haba, right? Which right. that's probably not going to happen or, you know, some, it just wasn't. And now, you know, I, there's there's companies like, like Kids Table, right? Kids Table, right. like they put out stuff like for a younger audience that's still really good right. and, and fun and like strategic, right? Or even a company like A Peaceable Kingdom does that sort of stuff. They mostly do co-op stuff, so this really wouldn't fit for them. But so that gave me kind of a hope, like there's a market for that sort of thing. Um, so like that's made me want to pick that back up again. But yeah. that was kind of why I dropped it. So gotcha. so what are your uh, what are your dead games? Yeah, the the um, the ones that I'm thinking of, like I made a little game, a two. It was gonna be a two player game uh, called Good Soil. I remember playing yeah. that years ago. Yeah, and it was it was it was just cards with numbers. You're 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 playing these cards down to a grid of like dirt cards that yep. are like your garden, and your cards were colored flowers. And there was an addition uh, mechanism which I kind of lifted from my. I came up with this little addition. I, I have an addition thing in uh, Dead Drop that I really think is clever. Yeah. And then I did another addition thing in Kite Fight, which never saw like wide release. It just did a, like a thousand copies in the Netherlands. Um, and I thought like I like that. Maybe that could be like my signature. And right. I'll come up with that. So I took <laughs> yeah. some ideas. And uh, Kite Fight is essentially three games in one box that like you use the same cards for different things. So I kind of was like. Just like it was like, oh, I could have made a game, another game, and I had another theme, but it was two players only. Um, and I had you play it, and it always kind of fell flat with you when you played it. Yeah, I didn't quite. I, I'd be interested to try it now. Like, obviously, my perspective on games is different than it was. I mean, this was like five years ago. Probably. Was it that long ago? It was three to five years ago, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I, I remember there was a Twitter, Twitter like couple. Uh, who who tested it for me? Yep. And they were like youngish, and I don't remember their names, but they're like, "Hey, we had a lot of fun, and we played it ten times, and here's all the problems we found." And it was just like a lot. Like they said they had fun, which caught my attention, but then it was like, "Here's the problems," and there was like a list of twenty things or something. Oh gosh, yeah. And and I was just like, "Huh." 
That's a lot of stuff to sort through. It I don't have yeah, I don't have the energy to do that right now. That was when I was kind of just getting going with green couch games. The you've got that one game right now that I don't know that you talk about. That it's one of your ones you're going to publish, right? Um, with the things, with the, the things and, and the, the little things and the, oh, uh, that, that another designer made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I don't. Um, it was right after you acquired that game. Oh yeah, so that was, that was probably three years ago. Yeah, so yeah, because you uh, you showed me that game this for the first time, the same thing. Uh huh. And I was like, I don't like this game. <laughs> and you were like, and you, I know you've like made like like substantial changes, yeah. all because of my feedback for so. sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're the guy. I come to you, and if you hate it, I gotta play no, to you I mean, as my audience. No, I was one of those things where I was like, this this game is cool. There's a couple things I don't get, and I, those are specific types of things you you said. I feel that way as well, and, and yeah. you've had, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, been kind of working on developing yeah, it. I know the development you've done, and like you've explained to me the new things, and I think it's going to be yeah. cool. So. Yeah, so good, good soil coming soon from Green Couch Games. Good soil is uh, like a seed that's been planted. I just need to, I just need to water it a little bit more. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, oh yeah, um, pretty hard. Another dead game uh, that I don't, I don't necessarily want it to be dead, but it's in Chris Kirkman's closet right now because I sent it to him for the dexterity challenge that Dice Hate Me did some years ago. Okay. And it's called... It's probably Chris Kirkman's garbage can. No, no. He told me he was going to give it back. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it could be by now, but... Did he say it in that sweet Southern he's voice? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll give it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you believed him, didn't you? Totally. Um, but it was called did Beyond... Hey, hey, bud. I'll hey, give it back to you. It did have, like, 200 dice in it. or No, probably 30 dice in it. So, he probably just pilfered him for his other prototypes game yeah so this one was called um beyond the blue oh is that not the one you do are you thinking of the the oh you're thinking about the sunset Sunset showdown or who goes there yeah yeah uh nope this is a different one okay um this one was about the space race but it combined three different types of dexterity and it actually had like a big folding board that was like the earth and there was three different phases. There was like, um, you had these ships that were discs that I kind of took the frog flip mechanism of flipping it like a coin and landing on certain parts of the globe. Like you're going out searching for researchers and those would provide um, research points for you. And you had a little tracker that would keep track of your research. And then there was another part. Oh, actually, that was throwing dice at the board. Whatever region you landed in would give you a number. And then you would get to... Uh, there was flicking to land on certain spots. I don't even remember all the details of it. And then there was a, a coin flipping, which was like uh, aiming for the moon. Oh, that was it. You're like trying okay. to get to, you're trying yeah. to race to the moon. Um, so like there was a Korean faction and a Soviet faction, not really factions, but like you're each playing yeah. as one of those characters. Countries. Yeah. Country, <laughs> countries we call them. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I designed it really quickly. I thought there was some fun there. But it never got to the development phase because, right. like, right. I had to ship it off for the contest. I did become right. I was a finalist in the contest, but then after testing it, it was like a little bit bigger than a quick. Most yeah. dexterity games, like, yeah, yeah. we do one thing, and this was me trying to make a dexterity game like a little bit more Euro-y, <laughs> Euro-dexterity uh, with all kinds of crazy, really hard. It's really hard to flip a disc. I'm just like and get it to land where you want to. I'm just picturing like pitching a game where you're like, okay. To these Germans, you're like you you convert cubes into cubes, and like okay, okay, and then when you get this cube, then you can toss that cube <laughs> and try and land a thing, and they're like, 
nine. Exactly. Like, we're done here. Exactly. No, no. You can buy things to launch into space, which involves flicking and flipping. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I th- it's cool. The reason I, I never did anything with this because I didn't want to make another prototype, and Chris Kirkman has it. <laughs> so, right. um, I think it, I think that's a cool game, but it needs it needs uh, it needs some work, some time put into it. Um, feels close though. Right. Then. Um, Camp Khaki is one I made with Andy Lennox that like the the reason that that one kind of feels like it it's died and come back to life several times was like publishers were looking at it. We were close a couple times I think with getting it picked up, but then they got nervous like I don't there's either not enough here or it's uh or it's not like specific enough. Like there's some looseness to the rules that would have right. to be decided right. by the group and that's part of the fun I think. But uh, this 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 game, particular game developer was like, it's not tight enough because he was like a rules layer type developer. Right, right, right. right. So uh, I guess other people on the team were like, yeah, this is fun. We can do it this way. And we can do it that way. And let's do it. Um, so I've, I've and I and I had the public the Helena from Kids Table had it for a while and just brought it back to me at Grand Con. So it kind of has like been like, oh, this is a game I made. And I right. maybe and and the, I as a publisher, I've always wanted to work with continue to work with other publishers. Like, right. I don't want to just publish my own game, so I haven't right. really done any of my right. own. Um, so, yeah, n- none of your solo designs, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, I-, I like to explore those ideas a little bit, but I'm kind of at that point where, like, I'm doing it long enough, I maybe can put out some of my own stuff, so maybe I'll revisit that. The other one would be uh, a co-design I did with Philip DeBerry. I mentioned it before. was a Dark Crystal game we designed, right. and, and it just kind of sat there, and the Jim Henson people now got never approved the license, uh, even though it was signed. So, like, we can't really do anything with it in that world without having to, like, hammer a new theme on it. And which which a lot of the me- mechanisms were based yeah, on the feeling yeah, of yeah, the movie. Yeah. But I think that you could, um, I think you had mentioned before, like, you could retheme it, like, to Fidelitas, right? Right. Say, that world in... And then you just look at the mechanics you can justify, which are probably most of them, let's be honest, right? I mean, I think that it's easy to kind of feel precious about it and say, like, no, 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 like, this mechanic is 100% tied to this theme. Yeah. But then you're like, here's the mechanic, and in somebody like like a me who's outside of it, right, can say, oh, well, in the world of Fidelitas, why can't that just be this? And then you're like, well, duh, yeah, right? right. Because you're so you know, kind of tied to it. And, you know, it's hard for you to think outside of the box on that. I know that I struggle with that where that's one of the things that's been great about Neil is when I go to him and I'm like, this just isn't going to work because of this, this, and this. And he's like, but why not just do this? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds real smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think publisher me then gets in the way of that idea too. And I'm like, well, it's not like Fidelitas was like this huge hit. You know, right. it did well. I mean, our Kickstarter was our first one. It did really well. Uh, we printed a lot. We sold through, you know, most of them. Um, but it's not like a game where suddenly you're going to do a sequel and people are like, oh my gosh, it's the sequel to Fidelitas. Yeah, like, yeah. We called it Fidelitas. Right. And I'm learning with, like, Best Treehouse Forest of Fun, which I think is a great game and improves on the original and can be played with the original, right. that, like, they're they're it hasn't sold as well as the original. And I think there's some confusion there because they're titled the same. So I'd almost have to call it something else, a game in the Fidelitas universe. Yeah. Spiritual successor. So so it doesn't get lost or something like that. Uh, and and cause confusion. Like, I don't want to get this game. I already have this game, you know, or I've right. seen it or played it. That's um, something so, because I've worked in your booth quite a bit of late. And I, that is something where, like, hopefully it's okay to talk about this, where, like, it, 
it's an explanation every time, right? When, when it comes to the treehouse games, right? Like, yeah. well, this is like, so I, this is how I explain it. Tell me if I'm lying to customers. Go I ahead. Say, so Best Treehouse Ever is the original. Yep. Uh, it's a real fun game. It's a real small, compact, you know, but it takes up a lot of space on the table, right? It's got, you know, this. And I explain how that game works. And they say, well, what's this Force of Fun game? And I said, well, it's, think of it like a standalone sequel to it. Um, and here's here's the, the differences that are cool. Like you've got these new scoring mechanics. So I said, the core of the game has the same feeling and it works primarily the same with these new scoring pieces, right? I said, but like, so it gives you kind of a more complex game, right? Than it would have been just with the basic game. Right. Um, both games still work awesome. And if you have both, you put them together. Now you're playing the more complex version, if you like, or the simpler version with eight players. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they get it. But like, yeah, there is some like confusion of like, well, I own the first one. Why do I need the second one, right? Right. Um, and I think that that's, yeah. I mean, you, that, that you go into a game store and you and maybe you're gonna get that good of an explanation right, right. if you're really lucky. Right. Um, people are gonna go on Amazon. They're gonna see one that costs you know fifteen, seventeen dollars. One that costs twenty seven dollars. They look similar. Right. What are they gonna do there? Right. Yeah. But um, so. I think there's some, some some fear about like what do I do with this game right. uh, at, because I have so much of that publisher hat. I want to kill a game. I'm like some of the same stuff as you. Like, who's the market for this game? Can I right. c- could I market it? Is there a publisher for? It? Is there a place for it? Does this right. theme work? Like, uh, I I get so many questions that I get self conscious. I think right. and that like fe- starts to feel overwhelming as a designer. Mm-hmm. So then I just like am paralyzed and I don't move on it. Right. So you have any do you have any tips or anything for like how to bring stuff back in a new way, when to let stuff go? I mean, we I think there's some principles already. Like, um, just the one is that like take a break. Right. Until right. The, until you get new inspiration. Right. And I this is something I struggle with is letting an idea just go. I've gotten better because I've got so many different ideas and projects I'm working on that it's easy for me to say I'm going to set this one down for now and I'm not going to worry about it. I can always come back to it later, right? Right. Um, but it stinks when a game, when like a game works, like or even the idea is just really enticing and clever, but then like, like the theme isn't hitting or something, and like so. For instance, the first game I ever pitched on the show, the very pilot episode of this show, was a zombie game, right? Yeah. Zombie games, like we were we were reaching peak zombie, right? Um, <laughs> when we did the game, I can't. I don't know if. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, Dead of Winter was out yet, but like it was certainly getting there. There were just there were a lot of zombie games happening, right? And I think Dead of Winter for board games was kind of peak zombie, right? That kind of flooded the market, took over the market, still sells today. Yeah, you know what I like mean? we don't need to make any more. That one's yeah, cool, right? So, but this was a zombie game I designed, and the mechanics like were way better and more clever than it ever should have been for that that time in my design career, right? <laughs> um. But it is a thing where truly, and I know I just said the opposite to you, right? But it's a game where truly, like, there's not another theme that makes sense with the mechanics. Because the mechanics were, like, um, you know, like, very, 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 like, tied to the zombie tropes, right? Like, that was, you know, like, like when you went on a mission and somebody got bit, you, would br- you had the choice to either just drop them right then or bring them back and try to save them. But, like, you bring them back and try to save them, like, every round for the next seven rounds, you're rolling a die. And if it ever hits a certain value, they turn and you start losing stuff because they've turned now and you've brought them in your camp, right? Right. 
Um, and like there was like the best variable player powers and so many things. And I felt really good about it. I still have all the notes somewhere on it, I think. Because uh, that was before the Google Docs days where I was using that for everything. <laughs> um, and, uh, but like it's a game where I've just said like, you know what? Like even though you get excited when you talk about it and stuff, like it's just not – it's not worth it, right? I mean, there have been, you know, like, you, that game is not worth the work it would take, right? So for me, like, that's a, that's a question to ask yourself is, and to be honest, because I think we can be too critical and too easy on ourselves to say, like, is there, is the amount of work it's going to take to make this game functional and be what it needs to be worth what it would take, you know? And then what is your value? Like, yeah. are you talking about money like you're going to make? Are you talking about, like, the feeling of creating something you're proud of? Right. So, yeah. so for me, like, when I was asked at some point on this show, what would make you stop being a game designer? Like, seriously, can, designing games other than just, like, every once in a while I throw some ideas together. And 100% that is if somebody said tomorrow, Jason, you will never get another game published ever, I would probably stop designing games. And it's not because, like... I want to make tons of money designing games. I mean, making money designing games is a nice bonus, right? Yeah. Like, but I mean, you have to make a lot of games and they have to sell really well before you make real money designing games. Otherwise, you're just kind of paying for your hobby, which is great, right? Um, but like, for me, it's about telling stories and, and getting games in front of people, right? Creating those experiences for people. And if somebody said, you're not going to be able to do that anymore on a larger scale, because obviously I could make a game, I could show it to my friends, they could have an experience, but like that's 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 different, right? Yeah. Uh, the idea that like somebody takes a copy of Into the Black Forest and sits down and plays it without me there and like hopefully like enjoys it, like or has some experience from it, like that's... That's exciting to me, right? That's why I do what I do when it comes to board games, right? Yeah, it's kind of this it's kind of a spiritual type of thing where like I'm going to make something that is going to have life outside of me. Right. My efforts are going to like multiply. Right. They're going right. to they're going to and like there's something about taking an idea and like finishing it. Yeah. Like getting all yes. the way to the finish line yeah. with it. Yeah. And once you've the thing is with board games, once you've done that once, it's addictive, right? Like once in your first game, you when I published Water Balloon Washout on my own, sold like a thousand copies total, yeah. right? Like I still like, like that was like a high, right? Like of like, whoa, like I can do more of this. Like I can get this out. People are telling me they're enjoying this. Some people don't like it, but the ones that do, right? Like that's worthwhile. And I mean, that's why I do this podcast too, right? I mean, if, if tomorrow everyone stopped listening, I wouldn't keep doing this podcast, right? Right. You know, um, but we've got a good listenership and I know that like people are getting something out of it. Sometimes they're getting out of it like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's okay. Like <laughs> a good I, laugh. Yeah, I don't care about that, right? It's about, you know, I've heard enough people come back to me and say, Hey, like, thanks for doing the show. Like, this has helped me in this way and that way. Like, that's all I need to know, right? To know that I'm doing something worthwhile with it. Um, and I know we're getting a little sidetracked here, but I think that you know, anything that I do, if I know it's going to have life beyond just like just me and my small sphere of influence, that's when I get jazzed about something. Yeah. Right? When I can put something out there that's going to help other people. And, you know, even if it's just by giving them a fun experience because they're playing my game or, you know, you know, I mean, that's pretty much movies, games, writing, like the blog stuff I do, this podcast, yeah. all of that is predicated around the idea that it's going to create some sort of positive or good experience for someone else. 
Right. That's, you know. So it's almost like if you see a path mm-hmm. to where something is going, right. like you'll go for it. it. Like if there's just, if you can't see that path, then then that's the time to let it to right. let it lie. Right. Like it's not worth my effort if there's not a path forward. I think that's a similar that's a similar feeling to me. I think I, I um I had a little bit of a <laughs> my experience in game design was that like my first game design wa- that got published happened pretty easily. Yeah. Like I mean from the design, like the idea just worked very quickly, my first try. And then it got picked up by a publisher that didn't work out. Then it got picked up by another publisher and worked out very well. Right. With like right. a dream publisher for me at the time, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and it turned out great. People, it was well received. And like, I was just like, this whole process came together just because I put a little bit of energy into it. Right. And the same thing with like Dead Drop. One day I picked up some cards, I wrote some things on them and I made a game and I gave it to somebody smarter than me. And they're like, this is cool. Right. And then like, I went to Unpub and it got picked up, you know, like, right. so those first experiences being like the doors just flipping open for right, me right like um made me like i think when it when things got a little harder with designs mm-hmm. it was easier to give up like when yeah. it didn't come as naturally right, right. i'd be like i'm gonna let that one go and i don't want to sound lazy but like right. it, w- it was a similar like okay i see a path for this one like if i know what needs to be done i can do it but if i don't know then i feel a little overwhelmed right, right. and that's where publishing came in because it, it became this um this kind of co-design situation where I'm working and collaborating with somebody else where if I'm stuck on an idea, I have them to go back and forth right. with. Right. Uh, so that, that always helps. Like that, that, that's another good, I think principle would be like bring those dead things that you still see some value in, in front of new, new perspective people. Yep. Like the, maybe yep. that's what you need is somebody to look at it from a different way. Right. Um, to kind of help it move forward. Yeah, no, and I I think that one of the best things that ever happened to me in this industry was that I signed a game, like, within months of starting game design, and then, like, it became the worst thing ever. Like, Like it fell apart. It fell apart twice. Right. Um, You know, I mean, like, it was just raining crap for a while, right? But what that did for me was, like, I think that um, had I, two things, had I had the early success that you had and then had the hard stuff, I probably would have given up. I very well likely would have given up. Yeah. Just knowing me. Um, and the other thing is, had I not had the podcast when I got all the crap happen with, with Gunsling and Ramblers and stuff, I, I would have probably given up. But because I felt like I owed it to the listeners to keep trudging on to tell the story, that's the only reason why I kept doing it at the time. And I'm very thankful for that, right? Uh, because now I see the inherent value of doing it, right? Right. Um, but at the time, I didn't. You know, at the time, I just felt like garbage. So, so yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just thinking about, like, those listeners out there that aren't, aren't getting published, that aren't having those experiences like we did, where, like, we signed games early that, like, kind of lit the fire and, it, you know, like, gave us that feedback. Right. Like. And like you said, you, you have to see where it's going to like really stick with it. And you, if you weren't getting published, you wouldn't stick with it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with coming at it from another point of view. Right. Like if if the creation brings you joy, if solving the problems is the thing, then it doesn't always have to be about like the, the publishing journey. Right. You know? No, 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 no. I mean, like if you just enjoy making like small games or big games or whatever, your own games and then playing them with friends and stuff. 
do that. Like, that's awesome. And I enjoy doing that. But like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't have a good enough group, like a game group that to just sit down and say like, play these prototypes. And then like, let's have, Oh, and they're like, let's play that one again. You know what I mean? It's just, there are a lot of them are not those people, right? Right. That's what the game design friends I have are for. <laughs> like, that's what we do together. Yeah, yeah. Like we like to try each other's games. And, um, so the idea of doing that on my own, um, without having that eventual goal of let's get this published. Right. It's just not exciting to me. Um, for other people it is, and they should pursue that. Yeah. And so um, sometimes I think of myself not, not as a game designer because I like, uh, I'm not always like churning out a game design, but like I'm more of a person who's interested in completing a creative project, <clears throat> right? you know, whatever right. that is, if that's a music thing for me or if that's starting a company or if that's like designing a game, like that's the energy. It's like taking a thing and making it and putting it out there. That's the thing that drives me. Not so much like where I see people like, smarter than me writing books about game design and doing, right, you know, right, like, right, right. like we're talking about game design and like our experiences, but like in a different like level of depth of like the problem solving is the thing for them, you know? So like there's right. definitely room for right. other perspectives, I think. Well, and that's one of the things I think that's important to remember is like that I forget sometimes is that like, yeah, we see like Isaac and Jeff, right? They write like this yeah. like, big board game, like this book that like, like, I read it. I can't even wrap my head around the fact that they were like, let's write this book. Like, really? Really? Like, good for them, right? Because yeah. it's a fantastic resource. But, like, or I think of, like, a show like a Ludology or something where they're, like, talking more. Like, they just sound real smart when right. talk about games, right? Or, you know, onboard games or whatever. Like, they, they just, they have these really, like, expert, what feel like expert level perspectives, right? Um and then you start to think like, well, what are we doing here? Like, we're just people giving opinions. Well, first of all, so are they, right? Um, <laughs> now, do they know more about a lot of this stuff? Sure, sure, that's great, right? But like, um, but with what we're doing, we're still connecting with people, right? We're still, people are still like, oh yeah, like I like this or I learned from that or, or sometimes it's just like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, and then <laughs> I learn from them and that's cool too, you know? It's all about, the experience of like everyone kind of learning from each other and that there's they there's all different levels of expertise that I think are important to have in these conversations. So for sure. Um, we talk about like needing diversity, right. Of points of view and stuff. And, uh, and we need that, right. Like of diversity of everything. And I think one thing that we need diversity of as well is diversity of experience level, right? Like, Oh, sure. You don't just need the experts talking. You need people who are still learning talking. I think that's important, you know? And, yeah. um, um yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, like kill your games, uh, bring them back to life. There's no right answer. No way to know when it's time to let things go. Maybe there's salvageable things from, from old games that can bring life into new games, maybe get in front of new people. Maybe there is a path that you haven't seen. Um, maybe not, but I don't know. It's it's hard to say goodbye to our creative babies, so right. it's it's fun to take right. a look at them sometimes and like say, what what's good there? What did I like about that? What can I do to bring it back to life? And you know, as Jason mentioned earlier, some of you like haven't had a published game, right? Like you haven't had that success yet, and you're. And that's disheartening. It's absolutely disheartening. Like in some people, we take it better than other people. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I struggled with it for a long time. And, and I think that, um, like just rem remind yourself that, that it's okay that you're not there yet and keep plugging away. 
um, at your ideas and and keep building relationships with with people, with publishers, with designers, um, because that really the key to this business and frankly, in my opinion, any business is personal relationships and like working with other people uh, in different ways. You, you've got to do that to succeed. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but um, as the it's as a really this good way. Space yeah. gets more crowded. It's it's more and more essential, right? Yeah. The the um, there are a lot of good designers out there that will stand out, stand out, and you might be one of them. Like, you might be one of the best ones, but like, the still the easiest way to stand out is through positive relationships with other people. Having the best game of the world and being a dick about it will not necessarily get your game published. Like it just won't. Yeah. Be the nice guy or girl. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I feel like we talked about that. Yeah. 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 Now we're going to do a pitch challenge. Oh man. I'm um, excited. So, and we're going to do it a little different. We're resurrecting the yes. old pitch challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, so we're going to use board gameizer, but Jason decided he wants to roll a D six, a black D six. Yeah. Like yeah. your heart. And then, and then, uh, whatever number we get, that's how many times we'll press the board gameizer button uh, to decide uh, which one we're gonna do, and we're gonna kind of work together on this. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Even if it's garbage, we're yeah, doing yeah. it. Yeah, because let's be honest, board gameizer has some real fun ones. Some of them, because it's random, are absolute garbage, and maybe that's what we'll get. I kind of hope so. Yeah. I hope it's a mechanic we don't even understand. Yes. Yeah, so you're Those gonna, are my favorites. So in a few minutes, you might be totally feeling like you got the best treat ever in your trick-or-treat bag or you might be wishing that the grim reaper was knocking at our door that's spooky right yeah yeah, yeah. okay i'm gonna roll the black die of death okay yeah, it will yeah. seal our fate and one no i'm re-rolling that's <laughs> stupid <laughs> there's no one on this d6 Four. four. Okay, I'm gonna hit the button four times. You know what four means in some some circles, especially in the occult. Uh, yeah, me neither. I just was. No. I was just trying to stick with the theme. I think four is an unlucky number in some cultures. Really? Yeah. Um, four. What, what do we I got? Hit it four times. Okay. What do we got? Okay. A cran rail system is the mechanic. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and the theme. Is uh, robots and chainsaws, <laughs> ro- robots and chainsaws, and victory is by uh, winning the most rounds. Okay, so we have a round-based game. Uh, do you want to give us the constraint? I don't know. Is that a thing? Oh, uh, must use player boards. Oh, this is perfect. Oh yeah, you just player boards. Already, You're set. You got a game. I designed the game already. You got a game. Head. We just high fived. If you heard that in the background. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, the crayon rail is like when you're, it's usually in train games, yep. right? You're, you're drawing on a plastic laminated yep. board. It's pretty old school. Yep. It's like a hobby game before technology was invented. Right. <laughs> if you like crayon rail, that's cool. More power yep. to you. I thought, let's do something Halloween inspired though for crayon rail. Well, there's robots and chainsaws. Yeah, so. right. What if, what if it's, it's the rail system is actually your circulatory system. And the shape of the rails is a person. Oh. Okay? Okay. It's a person. 
and actually, no, it's a robot. A robot, yeah. A robot. There, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Let's so, tie yeah, in the like theme. I was thinking, I was yeah, thinking yeah, right? that. I don't want stuff on your toes. That's what our player board is, right? Oh, it's a robot. I like an outline of a robot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a fighting game where we're chopping off rail systems, aka limbs. Oh, oh. <laughs> so you could like, so like, if I no, for instance, like if I damage, so okay, so maybe like inside the robot. Like in that player board, there's a bunch of different lines and stuff that are not colored on, right? Okay. And when I hit you in an area, I make a mark, right? And I like with my crayon somehow cut off, a, like cut into a certain section and therefore cut off those circuits that would be connecting oh. together, right? So then on my turn, I can either use like my attack or... I can attempt to reroute circuits in my body, aka rails, right? Yes. To redraw, to reconnect. So, like, if they cut something to where my arm isn't working now, because they've like, because each section maybe could be labeled as to what it affects. Okay. Right. And if they've cut off one section, now my left arm doesn't work. Well, that's that's my good chainsaw arm, right? I need to be chainsawing people. So, so then I'm like gonna like draw like a new connection via the railways that exist, the pathways that I could draw on, mm. draw a new connection. Now my arm works again and I can I can hack you. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. So the different rounds, um, you could get you get points for battling with these guys. Uh, these robot, these sent these are they uh, these uh, these robots. They're vampire robots. Va- really, oh, vamp- oh yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's spooky. Um, I I, I kind of feel like maybe there's like a dice mechanism that is gonna drive like the fighting because that's just what I think of when I think of fighting and the building. Maybe there's like a certain number of dice you're rolling and you can use points to build your rail system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like yeah. you can choose one die to connect certain dots on your robot. To either repair damage or to like connect parts or send more power to another area, and the other one has to do with maybe the type of attack or what appendage uh-huh. you you attack with. Yep. And then maybe there's a third die for power. So there's one for like making a connection. Yep. One for power and one for appendage yep. you're using. And then there should be like a wild that can be any of those. Oh yeah, like a fourth, so, like quicks has like the the colored die yeah, that can so be the white that. die. That- and then you're like, so say you got a one on repair, uh-huh. which you super needed to do some repair. So, but you got a four on the wild die. So you're gonna put that as a repair die this turn. Yeah. To kind of get, because that way it's not just. Well, random, I was thinking right? they could be three of the same color, and you could allocate those dice. You just have those three numbers. Oh, so, you know, I was thinking do it different, like, like specific. Yeah, this okay. is my power. This is my attack. You roll all three plus the wild. And then and like, you so, can allocate the wild to one of those things or right. use it as in place of one of those. No, I was thinking add two. Oh, add two. Yeah. Okay. Right? Nice. So you could really juice something up that turn. Yeah. But you always have the ability to do everything because if it's a D6, it's, you know, one through six, right? So so how do you win a round if the, that's kind of the, the victory Because oh, number of rounds won. Number of rounds won, yeah. Um, maybe each round um, you're calculating like a percent damage done. And uh, so, I don't know. Oh, maybe it's like number of. See, I feel like if we have the dice, the dice specific uh-huh. to those areas, um, it the game plays itself. Like you don't have choices, but if you if you leave them as the one color and you're allocating them to the different well, options, and maybe your points could be based on like how many unclosed circuits you you have at the end of the round. Or you could also just do multiple battles. 
So okay. each round is is one battle. Yeah. And it's like best of three. Okay. So what, here's what I was... When you said power, I was thinking of powering your robot. But what if it was the opposite? What if it was... So you've got... Um, you've got your repair, basically, your attack, and then your power. So if attack was location, right? So let's say, see, look at my midsection here, right? Like that's one. Like say I roll the one and it's the right side of my midsection, right? Okay. Um, but there's, there's um, on that, there's multiple entry points, right? So I roll the die, I get a one. There's five entry points on that side. I get to pick which one I hit. Mm. And then power, the power die, says how deep I will go with that hit. So if I roll a one and a one, well, I can pick any spot, but I'm only going to go in one notch. So I'm just basically like a glance, right? But if I roll a six, I'm getting way in there. And so the reason I might decide on where to hit you is because it shows what I'm going to cut through and what I'm going to cut off of your connections. Whoa. How about that? That's cool. Yeah. I'm into it. Because uh, then there's the game is certainly not playing itself. It's basically saying like, hey, you got this, but you could always use the wild instead to determine another spot. And like the head, the head to hit the head could be like 10, right? Yeah. Or even like it could actually be like 11, we'll say. So that you'd have to have a six or a five and a six or a five and put those two together to be able to hit the head. Right. That's... And then yeah. make the head like seven deep so you can never cut it clean off on one hit, right? Yeah. The chainsaw be... could be pretty high up there. Do we start with a chainsaw? No, I thought they just, we just had chainsaw we arms. We have chainsaw arms, this yeah. automatically? Yeah. I, another option would be to like in between the battle rounds, you have a certain number of points that you can allocate to upgrading. Yeah, that's true. There's like weapons you can draw on with right. your crayons. Right. You know, maybe you don't want a chainsaw. Maybe you want an axe. What if, so what if it is, you have, each person starts with three base robots, right? Uh, so say it's best of three, right? But okay. it's really until someone's out of bots is what matters, right? Yeah. So like if, if, if I beat you, then I keep my bot. I get points to allocate to make my bot better, but I have my damaged bot. You get a fresh bot. Uh-huh. And then we fight. So I'm going to start off maybe a little better than you, but I'm already damaged because like the making me better would like never heal my damage, right? Okay. So eventually you're going to win. You're going to beat me. Now my bot's dead, right? Now you get to soup your bot up and hopefully you took less damage because I was already damaged, right? So does that make sense? So like I could use the same bot and beat you three rounds in a row. I'd have two bots left and then I'm like, I'm awesome, right? But that wouldn't happen very often. The goal would be that it would get close, right? Like it would be self-balancing, right? Like my bot is, is getting better, but it keeps taking more damage. Whereas your bot is fresh, right? So yeah. So you said something about the vampire robots, right. you know, maybe there's a way we I can was kidding a little bit. About no, that, I'm but. sorry. <laughs> We're going with it. We can, there's a way to like suck some of the life force from one of the opponent's, uh, robots. If you do a super cool, make a super cool connection, a specific connection, right. you're stealing something from them to well, just make yourself a little stronger. I mean, that could be as simple as like when you destroy the enemy robot, you get to to pick from it, right? whatever like, is I'm left. I'm gonna take some stuff from it. Yeah, like a yeah. vampire scavenger kind of a yeah. situation. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's I, I I print that game, man. That seems right up Green Couch's alley. Yeah, right. <laughs> robot uh, vampires, crayons, yeah. and robots, uh, dice. I mean, that'd be cheap to produce. Right. right. I feel good though. I feel like we just came up with a game that was like not. Uh, like they gave us some really bad constraints and we, in you know, and rules and we turned it into something very unexpected. I feel pretty good about that. That's right. I think I'm going to name it. I'm yeah, going to name yes, this yes, game. Yes, 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 yes. 
I mean, I think it's obvious that it, it's called something like Vampire Robots with Chainsaws from somewhere. Yeah. Tran- Transylvania. It could, be, it could be Chainsaw Robot Vampires from Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah, that might be. I mean, that's going to like, you don't need cover art at that point because the words would be enough to cover yeah. the entire box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just For the robot, I just keep picturing Bender. Like the robot from Future. Oh, Emma. totally. Yeah, yeah. Real simple because, like, I Wait, feel like Bender I could. Was the robot right? Yeah, I okay. feel like I could draw him with a crayon. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's a simple shape, right? Yeah. Like, or like I was thinking, like the costume made of boxes. You know, like yep. just yeah. like a big yeah. box and a rectangle, and then yep. like tubes for arms. Yep. Like something real easy to draw. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. maybe it's maybe it's dot to dot. Like oh, the, right. The, so you the, connect it. Yeah. Like the the the, pun, the um. The player board is like a dot-to-dot situation. So you have a a guide of of the different options. It's on a grid. So if you want to add a specific weapon, you can just like use that shape to add it to it. that's fun. That's fun. That's pretty cool. I'm into it. So, uh, yeah, Chainsaw Robot Vampires from uh, Transylvania. Yeah. Uh, It took place in the year uh, 3072 on Halloween night. I got a better idea than Transylvania. Oh, yeah? Because we're from Michigan. Oh, yeah. Chainsaw Robot Vampires from the Motor City. Oh, but I got a new one. Another, oh, yeah, it's okay. another machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. great. That's great. Uh, uh, chain. I don't like chainsaws coming first. That's fine. Uh, maybe, maybe it has to. Because it know, could be yeah. vampire robots with chainsaws from. Yeah, or just vampire robots. It could be called vampire robots from hell. Which is a city in Michigan. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that sounds really ominous. It does. And then, like, uh, the chainsaw's a nice, like, Easter egg surprise. Like, you're thinking yeah. Ash right. versus yeah. Evil Dead, you know, yeah. like, Army of Darkness kind of stuff. Like, all of a sudden, there's a chainsaw in the box. Yeah. Like, an actual chainsaw yeah. in the box. Put it with a scorpion. Yeah, right? that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another weapon you can add to your robot, train a scorpion. A scorpion, how to use the chainsaw. <laughs> You'll be in trouble. Dude, bad news. Yeah. Um, I feel like. I feel like that's a, that's a game, man. All right, we nailed that pitch. We challenge. did. We did. We did it all with with time to spare. So that's great. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, not particularly. Buy a copy of Into the Black Forest at GreenCouchGames.com. It's spooky, like Halloween. It's not yeah. really that spooky. No, but. the game's not spooky, but you should buy it on Halloween and any other time. So yeah, true. If you're enjoying that game because you've received your Kickstarter copy by now. Uh, you should tweet some pictures and share who's yes. winning and all the fun you're having. And make sure to to mention Jason, Green Couch, and me. Like, that's great. Yeah. Right, because so, we did that together. Yeah, and I'll keep retweeting you. So, yeah. That's true. Great. That's true. We will uh, use this opportunity we to market will, ourselves. We will retweet you. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will retweet. Yeah. All right. Let's call it a day here. Let's call it a day. Let's okay. call it a night. Oh, <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at, at B- podcastbtg, uh, at J.A. Slingerland, at Jason Katarski. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Go to Facebook. Give us some more feedback on what you'd like to see us doing on with Facebook because we can do more stuff with it. Uh, tell me the things you want to see us do, and we will, might do them. Uh, yeah, that's everything. So, uh, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. 
building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BGG. Please don't use the email.